Well, welcome. Welcome to week three of this series, The Five Habits of a Healthy Christian. Habits matter. Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. We know that if we repeat something, we strengthen ourselves in that. We know that physically. We know that if we do physical exercise, if we get into the habit of running or going to the gym or walking, that actually we build strength, we build muscle. The same is true spiritually. If we adopt these spiritual habits, these habits of getting into the Word, getting into prayer, getting into personal worship, which we're going to look at today, going on being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the habit of sharing our faith. If we get into these things, we know we will grow spiritually. Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Not just occasionally, but meditates on it day and night. We know that if we make the Word of God something that we do habitually, it grows us. We discovered last week that if we pray and develop some prayer pathways, we grow in our relationship with God. We're also aware that these five habits work together. Yes, we're taking one at a time through these five weeks. But actually the five overlap. We know that the word and prayer and worship and the Holy Spirit and witnessing together help us grow up in God. Help us become more like Jesus. Help us become 3D followers of Jesus. Men and women, boys and girls who grow up in our relationship with God and grow in in our relationship with one another and grow out as we seek to serve the world with the kingdom. They work together in the life of Jesus and they work together in our lives. So this week we're going to look at the habit of Worship. How do we make worship one of our personal spiritual habits? Now, worship is a huge subject. And we're aware that worship is not just about what you do in a service or what you sing. Worship is about our lifestyle. Paul tells us that our lives should be acts of worship. There is no sacred secular divide in God's economy. God is as interested in what we do in our workplace, in our home, with our neighbours, with our money, in our parenting, in our marriages, in our relationships. God is as interested in that as the songs we sing. But today we're going to focus down on worship a little bit. We're also not going to spend time talking about worshipping together per se. In a few weeks' time, we will look at what it's like when we gather to worship. But today, we want to look at the personal habit of worship. Why does it matter? How might we grow in this habit? So what is worship? Well, William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the UK in the 40s, said this. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination with the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. Worship matters. 
Worship matters because God is worthy of our worship. God is worthy of our adoration. God is worthy of our focus and our attention. In fact, in English, the word worship comes from worth-ship, giving God what he in own is worthy of. The first reason that worship needs to become our habit, needs to become my habit, not occasionally, not every other Sunday, but every day, is that God is worthy of my praise and my adoration and my worship. Secondly, God is worthy of worship because he created us for worship. We are, by definition, worshippers. Scripture is clear. Jesus said this on the occasion of his triumphal entry to Jerusalem. It says this, When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, they said. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The people worshipped. And that annoyed some of the religious rulers at the time. It goes on to say, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out in worship. You see, creation worships by default. The stars, the stones, the trees, they're worshipping God all the time. They don't have a choice. But we are unique. We are created in the image of God and we are given choice. We can choose to worship. We're created for worship, but we can choose to worship or not to worship. The problem is that because we're created for worship, if we don't worship God, we will worship something else. It's not that if I stop worshipping God, I go into neutral when it comes to worship. No, if I stop worshipping God, I allow that instinctive, that worship I'm created to give, to end up on something else. It's why in the Old Testament, the people are always being rebuked for idolatry. Because when they take their eyes off God, off the Creator, because they're meant to worship, because they're created to worship, they automatically put their eyes on something that is created, an idol. And if we're not careful, if I'm not careful, I get caught out by idolatry too. If I don't choose to give my worship to God, I will misplace my worship. If I don't focus on the Creator, I end up focusing on the created. If I don't worship God, I end up worshipping my work, or my family, or my relationships, or my money, or my ministry, or even my church. It's not that these things are bad. It's right that I love my church and love my family and work hard at my job and steward my money, but they should never be my idol. They should never be the thing that I worship. If you're wondering, how do I know if I've got caught up by idolatry? Well, this is how I check. I know if I'm worshipping something, I know if I'm idolising something, 
if it becomes what gives me pleasure, if it becomes what sustains me, if it becomes what gives me identity or impacts my mood. When I was eight years old, I was passionate about football. I still like football. When I was eight, it was my life. And my team were West Ham United. Now, you may not have heard of them. You may have heard of the Liverpools and the Manchester Uniteds. But the greatest team in the world, let me tell you, is, is West Ham United. And when I was eight years old, I worshipped them. They took all my attention, all my money. But of course, that meant that when they won, I was full of joy. But when they lost... I was in tears. My mood was impacted by my idol. Unfortunately for me, West Ham lost a lot, so I spent a lot of time as an eight-year-old in tears. But you see, if something has become your, your mood creator, if your job goes well and therefore you feel good, if you're not careful, your job can become your object of worship. Worship matters because we are created to worship. And if we don't choose to worship God, we will end up worshipping something else. The third reason that worship matters is that God is seeking us as worshippers. It's not just that God is worthy of worship. God desires our worship. This is what it says in John chapter 4. There's this encounter between a Samaritan woman and Jesus. They shouldn't have been talking, but they were. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Worship matters because God seeks our worship. It says these are the type of worshipers the Father seeks or the Father looks for. It does not say this is the type of worship the mighty one of the universe deserves. Although God is the mighty one of the universe. God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God does deserve our worship. But that's not what it says here. He says, no, this is the type of worshippers the Father seeks. Worship matters because God seeks our worship. Because it's relational. Last week we reminded ourselves that when we pray, we pray not to some abstract power, but to our Father. So in our worship, we have a Father who seeks our worship. He takes the initiative. He looks for us. Here we see the importance of specific personal worship. Yes, we gather for worship, but God also seeks our personal worship. God seeks our attention in the moment, day by day. And the fourth reason that worship matters is that worship does us 
good. When Jesus says, our Heavenly Father desires our worship and seeks our worship, the Father doesn't do that. God doesn't do that because he's insecure. It's not that God wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, I'm, I'm feeling a bit down. I hope someone worships me today. It's not out of insecurity that God seeks our worship. God does not seek our worship to bolster his self-confidence or his identity. Now, as an earthly father, in my imperfection, sometimes, yes, I can look to my children to encourage me, to affirm me. Sometimes I'll ask my children, how are you? Because if, if they're well, I feel well. But our heavenly father is not, looking for that. Our Heavenly Father is not lacking anything. I don't change God by worshipping him. I don't improve him. I don't bolster his self-esteem. God seeks our worship not for his benefit, but for ours. When we worship God, we are blessed. You see, worship gives God glory, but it does us good. That's why God seeks worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. Because when our spirit connects with God's spirit, when our worship is relational, we are reminded of the love of God for us. We're reminded of the companionship and the encouragement and the affirmation. We're reminded that we are secure in God. He is our Heavenly Father. He does delight in us. He is always there for us. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. We cannot go from His presence. He is lavishing His grace and His favour upon us. We connect with God and that connection does us good in our spirit. But also because we worship in truth, we discover who he truly is. We discover his true identity, but therefore our true identity. It does us good because when we're faced with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we get a correct perspective about ourselves. We are totally loved, but we're also mortal and temporal. We are not the centre of the universe. Though God's gaze is never off us, we exist for his glory, not for ours. We exist to serve others. We exist to reach out with the kingdom of God. Not our kingdom, but his kingdom. And in this way, we get the right perspective. When we come to God in worship, when we seek him as he seeks us, when we worship in spirit and in truth, our lives are recalibrated. We become aware of the things that might be coming idols in our lives and we can put them in their rightful place. We get a good sense of perspective when we lose ourselves in worship of the Creator. Worship does us good. Why does worship matter? It matters because God is worthy of worship. It matters because it's our natural disposition to worship. It matters because God seeks us in worship as our Heavenly Father. And it matters because worship does us good. How then do we grow in a habit of worship? Habits are good for us. Remember, we're not looking for habits that make us busy. 
we're looking for habits that make us healthy. We're not just trying to add things to our to-do list. We're not creating some tick box that if we tick all five boxes every day, God will love us more. No, that's not what we're about. Now, these are habits. These are things that we can repeat, things that are within our control, that if we do them regularly, they create health in us. Spiritual health, emotional health, even physical health. So how do we make personal worship a habit? Well, first, make space. Make space. If I'm too busy to worship God, I'm too busy. Now you might think, oh gosh, I'm so busy, Simon. How do I make space? Well, unfortunately, the only way you can make space is to make space. We moved house recently. There wasn't as much room in the new house as in the old house. We had to make space. We had to clear out some stuff because there just wasn't room. As I'm going through these habits, as I've been preparing this week, I've had to make space for time to focus on God and to worship Him. The second thing to do is to know yourself. Are you an introvert or an extrovert, an internal processor or an external processor? We're all different. You're an optimist or a pessimist. It's not that one is right and one is wrong, but it's good to know who you are. Are you a morning person or an evening person? If you know who you are, you know when and how to make space for worship. You know whether you need to go for a walk to worship, whether you need to have time at your desk with, your, with a book open to worship. You know whether you just would help you to worship with someone else, just two or three people. Know yourself. Make space. Know yourself. Thirdly, get into the Psalms. We've said that these habits work together rather than independently. And the Word of God helps us in our personal worship, especially the songbook of the Bible. That's what the book of Psalms is. It's song, it's poetry, it's creative, it's honest, it's lament, and it helps us. If you're not sure what to call out in your worship, the worship book of the Bible will help you. The book of Psalms will help you. The worship songs that David and others sang, the worship songs that were sung down through history will help us in our personal worship. Helpfully, it's right in the middle of your Bible. If you still use one of those Bibles that's made of paper, if you open it in the middle, you'll usually hit Psalms. Fourthly, allow technology to help you. We're so blessed in this generation that great worship music is at the touch of a button. Spotify, YouTube, CDs, if you still use those, downloads. There are thousands and thousands of worship songs out there to help us. Whether you want Handel's Messiah or Matt Redman or Tim Hughes or Hillsong, whatever your flavor is, if you'd like some English plain song or worship songs in your own language, you'll find them on YouTube or Spotify or another platform. 
You can be on the commute to work or on your run or in your office at lunchtime and you can be plugged in to great worship music that can help you in your personal worship. Let's take advantage of it. And finally, in how do I grow in this habit of worship? I want to talk about singing. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing to you. But I want to talk about singing. There is power in singing. This is what Psalm 100 says. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness throughout all generations. I told you Psalms was good. Ephesians 5 says this, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Singing is powerful. Worship is more than singing, but singing is a vital part of worship. We now know through scientific advances, the fact that they can look inside our brains, we know that singing has a powerful effect on our minds. It releases endorphins. In fact, they've discovered that working with stroke patients, people who've lost the ability to speak, that if they can engage them in music, engage them in singing, they rediscover pathways they thought they'd lost. Singing literally enables our brains to make new neuropathways. How clever is that? But of course, the Bible's always known that. The Bible's always known that singing is powerful. We know that singing helps us remember. It seals truth in our minds. When we sing out a truth, it seems to get in us more. When great words are accompanied by great melody, it engages our hearts in a fresh way. And notice, it doesn't say make a perfect noise before the Lord in our singing. It says make a joyful noise when we sing, which is very useful for people like me because I can do joyful even if I'm not always in tune. Singing combines the power of our voice with music. We know that what we speak out has power. We know that because God created us in his image and when God speaks out it has power. He created the world through his word. Jesus sustains the world through his voice. So we were given voice to sing out in worship. It's a gift from God. Most importantly, singing is so biblical. A quick survey this week showed me that there are 859 times that singing appears in my Bible where I'm encouraged to sing out or bring a song or declare with my voice or declare praise accompanied by music. Singing is so powerful. As I seek to develop, as we seek to grow this habit of personal worship, let's sing.
And finally, singing is important because God sings over us. When God wants to declare his love for us and his affirmation for us, he sings over us. He encourages us to sing and to join him in his song. Zephaniah says this, Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you. But he will rejoice over you with singing. We're created for worship. God is worthy of our worship. Our Father seeks our worship. And worship does us good. In worship of spirit and in truth, we are reminded that our Heavenly Father delights over us with singing. And there's our security. There's our identity. There's our empowerment as we seek to grow up in God and also to take the kingdom to our neighborhood, the nation, and the nations. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you that you invite us to worship you, not once a week, but every day. Would you equip us by your Spirit to worship you more and more every day in spirit and in truth? Amen.